Hello and welcome to Open Mind UFO Radio. I am your host, Alejandro Rojas, and I have my special guest, my uh, often special guest, Martin Willis. Hello, Martin. Hello. Thank you. Always fun. How are you doing? Good, so, good. Okay, I like the setup. Go- this is fun. Yeah. I know. It is a lot of fun. So yeah. people are popping in to join us live, which is great. In fact, I'm going to text everybody. Hey, dudes. Thanks for joining. And let me explain this. And uh, I'm going to do this every time to let you all know uh, how you can join us live. So those of us who have joined us live are are, uh, my Patreons, my intergalactic planetary members on Patreon. So if you want to join everything I do live, and the advantage of that is you get to ask questions. So for instance, I'm working on it. It should be happening uh, but I'm going to have Lou Elizondo do a live stream just like this, and you'll be able to ask him questions live. Uh, I did this with John Alexander, Brian Bender, a lot of other people. Anthony Lepe, I'm going to have uh, up soon, the director of Unidentified, uh, the television show, which, of course, is extremely important. We're going to talk about its importance, actually, in the show in just a minute. But uh, lots of great stuff. So did And that way you get everything. If you join my Patreon at the intergalactic planetary level, you get literally access to everything and can join everything live. There are a couple other membership levels. The Rojas reports, uh, if you want to view them on video, the live streams here that we record, and but you don't want to become a Patreon member, then you can go to YouTube and you could subscribe to the Rojas reports on YouTube. And that way you can watch great interviews like my Chris Mellon interview, the Brian Bender one, all the other ones I mentioned. The final uh, membership level is pod people. So if you go to Patreon and you join for pod people, which is less than $2, it's a buck 50 a month, then you get all audio versions. So then I'll share all of the audio and you do get an RSS feed in Patreon where you can use it to, Add that to your phone, your favorite podcast tool, and then it'll download all of the audio of my shows straight to your phone or whatever device you use to listen to um, podcasts. So those are the three levels. You got all audio, you got video replays, archives essentially on YouTube, and then you have access to everything intergalactic planetary level on Patreon. Uh, as you all know, I, I am back from a hiatus. Uh, really, I was considering whether I could do this at all anymore. Uh, I've come back at a popular demand, but the only way I can come back is if you guys help me. Um, and I mean, $1.50 a month, I think, I hope that you feel that you get enough out of all of this to be able to at least contribute that much. So thank you guys very much. Uh, I'll stop doing the business part of things here, but uh, those of you who do, um, subscribe. Thank you all uh, very, very much. And hello, Michelle uh, and Jeff and Jeremy, who are joining us live, and we'll be able to get to ans- ask questions and make comments during the show here. 
So that's how you join live. But let's get into the news, Mr. Martin. Um, I guess first, do you have any stories you saw that really struck you this week? No, nothing that really jumped out that's like new, you know, earth shattering. There's still there's still rumors um, going around about, you know, some some articles going to be coming out. And I heard another rumor today and I don't even think I should repeat it, you know, but yeah. uh, we'll see when it happens. Uh, it'll happen or when if. it happens. Or yeah, if, you know, right. it kind of gets to and like you said, I, I haven't seen any other news. So but I'll share with you guys what I've been up to uh, and what. Martin and I have been up to because we've got some interesting stuff I think we've been up to. But uh, one of the things that I did was I went on John Greenwald's show, which is much to the surprise of many people, John Greenwald of the Black Vault, because if you've been a podcast listener, you will know that John and I have not seen eye to eye. In fact, uh, he admits he, he is a bit aggressive in his comments towards me. And I admit that, you know, I did not fully understand his position and that created a lot of frustration. Um, so, you know, we've, we've made amends. We've been friends for so many years. And like I've always said, he's an amazing researcher. So it's great to be able to talk again. Um, and it yeah. was you, Martin, who helped this because uh, you had, uh, after I was on Coast to Coast, you see. Uh, or even before I went on to Coast to Coast, you sent me a link to John Greenwald's uh, conversation about the Wilson documents, this, yeah. these new rumored documents that are or these documents that are out there that rumor, you know, these alleged conversation between Eric Davis and this admiral. Um, and so I went on Coast to Coast and then you kind of laughed because you were like, oh, I, you were already aware of much of what John was talking about. And I watched John's video and what we both had to say were so strikingly similar. Um, and then he did have some other stuff to add that was great, I thought. So I shared that video that you had asked me to watch. And he wrote, mind blown, because he was shocked that I guess I would share his stuff. And that kind of started things. And then um, a mutual friend, Tim McMillan, was like, hey, you guys, you know, uh, John really wants to, to make amends. You, got, you, should, you guys should work towards that. And uh, of course, I've always wanted to as well. So it's been great, actually, to be working with John again. Yeah. Yeah, I was so glad. I think, uh, you know, I, I was looking at some of the comments, um, you know, on the video that he did, um, the, the stream he did with you um, the other day. And it, it really is, uh, there's a lot of people relieved that you two are, you know, friends again, because you both have so much to offer you know, and mm. that you worked it out. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't work these things out. So I'm, I'm glad that you did. And it's funny because there are so, there's a lot of people who are frustrated at both of us who are, nor who are, are normally fans of ours because we're not taking this Wilson document thing as seriously yeah. as many people are. And uh, you've yeah. taken some of uh, heat as well because you I have am. a similar yeah. feeling. Even today. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, okay. Day. Yeah. Yeah, John even apologized. Sorry if you're taking more heat. And I said, dude, we take heat when we wake up in the morning, just for waking yeah. up in the morning. So that's just normal. Um, yeah. But uh, somebody asked, and thank you, Josh, for answering the question. Somebody asked, please add an option to contribute more, perhaps just a PayPal account for random donations. Kurt, thank you so much for the sentiment. Uh, YouTube actually has an option where you can do that. Uh, but you can do that on Patreon. 
I don't really solicit that sort of thing. I like to give people, you know, something for their donation. So that's why if you, if you join at those different levels, it's a ton of help. That's a big help. So if you're joining that intergalactic uh, planetary level, thank you so much. That's, that's a big help. I don't mind taking bags of cash. Just, I'll just put that out there. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I'll bet you don't Martin, but uh, getting back to John Greenwald, uh, because it was something that you had mentioned. um, We had talked about, uh, Oh, what was it that you said that triggered? It was something that John Greenwald and I had talked about. What did Mm. you say? On the news. There was something you saw. I did. We'll get back to it. All right. Help us out in the chat room. (laughs) Yeah. Were you paying attention? (laughs) (laughs) But some of the things that John and I talked about were the MJ-12 documents, um, you know. Yeah. um, And this is one of my frustrations, to be honest, is that uh, the MJ-12 documents have a history. The guy who first claimed, you know, that MJ-12 was a thing is Rich Doty. And he did it in a document that he says was a hoax document that was created to make this guy, the scientist, believe that he was seeing UFOs and aliens, uh, which is what he thought Mm -hmm. he was seeing when Mm -hmm. Richard Doty says he was actually seeing secret projects on the base in Kirtland Air Force Base in New Mexico, uh, just outside of Albuquerque. So this document is allegedly disinformation. Um, from the very person who put it out from the beginning. Now, in ufology, Richard Doty first came to the scene or or was first mentioned in an investigation done by Bruce McAbee. And he was investigating a UFO sighting at an Air Force base. And he interviewed the witnesses and stuff. But there was this guy on the base who wanted to share information with him um, named Richard Doty. And he shared these wild stories that made no sense and claimed that these witnesses had seen something they didn't see. Bruce McAbee talked to the witnesses and others, and they were like, no, you know, here's what happened. So Bruce McAbee determined, I don't know who this Richard Doty guy is, but he's a liar. He just lied to me. And uh, that was essentially the story. So, I mean, this guy has been sharing falsehoods since the beginning. And yeah. uh, unfortunately, maybe still doing it and maybe, <laughs> maybe still so. doing it because there's been yeah. this resurgence where he's been coming back yeah. um, to the scene, which is uh, very concerning and long uh, retired, but still, you know, right. Yeah. So, uh, and you know, the Serpo thing is something that has been traced back to him This this alleged situation that is too far fetched to believe because it's not true. Um, so that's a major concern. And, uh, I think that the problem is, is that those researchers who come across material that mentions MJ 12, that they're purporting to be real need to tackle this. I'm not saying, you know, I'm exactly right on this. All I'm saying is look at the evidence I have, which is an abundance of it. Even FOIA documents that I've gotten from the air force, um, look at this and help me figure out what's going on here. Um, for instance, one of the things he claims is that he did this disinformation at behest of the government. I'm a bit skeptical of that. So are others. But did he? I have no proof either way. You know, help me figure it out. Let's let's be responsible and investigate all of these areas before we just, you know, 
jump headfirst in and believe some wild kind of stories that that show up out there. So I don't know. That's what I'm arguing. Am I so and off if, on that? No, I don't think so. If you go also on Open Mind somewhere, you have an article about Richard Doty. I remember yeah. reading that. We yeah. have a video that's on the front page of our YouTube page, which is Open Minds TV is our YouTube. And um, also, if you were to query Doty, you'll find him also. I, essentially, the, the document I have that's well-researched and has a ton of sources in there and links to the documents that I retrieved is called An Open Letter to the Air Force. And here's why. And here's why I want help investigating all of this. And luckily, you know, I know a couple of people are jumping in to help out. This is called an open letter to the Air Force because Richard Doty was actively and admittedly putting out hoax documents he was creating, misinformation out to the UFO public. This was in the 80s while he was an Air Force, um, in the Air Force Office of Special Investigations. He was an officer in that group. Um, now, Air Force Office of Special Investigations, he's making it sound like it's some court, sort of intelligence organization, like he was doing counterintelligence essentially against U.S. citizens, which is not legal. Um, but that's not true. They're a law enforcement organization. So hmm. what he's claiming he did is not only illegal, it's outside of the realm of essentially what AFOSI would do. So, wow. um, so those are some more problems with this whole thing. But... Uh, my question was, so later on in his career, there's evidence in his, um, you know, employment hit records uh, with the Air Force that he got in trouble for something later in his career. He got demoted to a position. The way John Alexander put it is he would be the guy that you, if you went into the officer's club, he would be the guy that has to get you your tennis rackets or, you know, he's like an attendant. Of course, people are saying, no, -uh, that's not what he did. But what John Alexander is saying, he was very heavily demoted to, you know, now doing like service jobs is all he could do wow. at the end of his career. Um, was he demoted because of his, you know, hoaxing people? We don't know. John Alexander thinks so, uh, who's a retired colonel who would know this sort of thing. Uh, he was also an inspector general in the army. You know, he's the type of person that would know. But he, he doesn't know for sure either. Richard Doty has spun these tales about some kind of espionage he was involved with and and covering up the his sources and, you know, his superiors wanted him to reveal sources and some kind of crazy, of course, story, just like all of his crazy stories. So uh, we don't really know why he got demoted. But the Air Force needs to tell us, why was your guy? While he was an agent with uh, OSI, why was he sending out this disinformation? Was this at your behest or not? Um, was he demoted for it or not? This guy was uh, involved with it, admitting to being involved with criminal activity. He was, said he was breaking into this poor guy, Benowitz, his house and rearranging right. his furniture. The guy yeah. literally went crazy. He made him believe that aliens and Russians were watching him constantly, and he went nuts. And if you talk to other UFO researchers who knew this guy, he really, um, Dr. Leo Sprinkle, I think, was the one who told me that, you know, he went to his house once, and uh, his wife's, like, frantic. He's like, he won't come out of his car in the garage. And the car's, like, covered in aluminum foil. I think he, he, he would, so he had to go into the car to talk to him. And he's freaked wow. out and accusing everybody of being government agents. I mean, it was really, really bad. Um, really so something. 
It's nope. a part of history that ufologists bury their head under the sand about because they don't want to tackle it because they get uncomfortable with it. But it's really important. I think a lot of the mythology in this field is created from that era. So we need to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, I know you and I've had this conversation before, um, but I'm just going to ask you, you would never have him on your show. No, as an I interviewer. Wouldn't. No. And here's why, because people ask that all the time. You know, what does he said when you interview him? I mean, the problem is, and if you see in my um, my write-ups, whenever, uh, at least this was in the past, I don't know that he's done this recently, but I wouldn't doubt it. And in fact, I think I heard he did. In the past, when he would be called out on, didn't you write this in that book? No, I didn't write that. Somebody said I wrote that, but I didn't. Uh, didn't you say this in that interview? No, I didn't say that in the interview. They lied. And I mean, these are people who are very credible people in the field who would interview him. And then when people would call him out for things he said in these interviews, he would say the interviewer who doesn't have a history of lying was the one who was lying. So it's kind of a waste of time. It's kind of like too troublesome. First of all, he changes his story constantly. So any questions I would ask him um, uh, would not would be different than something in the past. Sure, I could call him out on that and say, well, at this point you said that. And then at this point you said this. So which is it? But what good would that be if he just spins another story for me? So um, I just haven't seen the value in talking to him directly because um, he's so tricky that way. So I've just, you know, researched all of the facts and established information that is out there. And that's what's important because a lot of people say, oh, you're just reporting the work of, let's say, Mystery Men um, by Mark Pilkington or by uh, Greg Bishop and his book, Project Beta, both of which are great pieces of work about yeah. this situation. However, yeah. those both heavily rely on interviews with Doty. In fact, the majority of both of those pieces of work are based off of interviews with Doty, and that's the hard part. If he's changing his story constantly, he can't be the main source of information. We need more credible sources of information to check this information. That's why I went to the Air Force uh, and other sources, as you can see in, in my piece um, on this. Now, didn't he, he was on uh, some movie or documentary where he actually goes into this whole topic about actually physically seeing aliens. Did you hear about that? Yeah, he's got so many different stories about <laughs> aliens and Roswell that and yeah. really wild stories. So he comes up with new ones all the time. He really does. And, and it doesn't take much research to look into that. And some people have criticized me. What does that have to do with the Wilson documents? Well, it mentions MJ-12. And with these Wilson documents, the people who are purporting it to be a real situation, um, what this admiral had said, of course, this admiral is denying it, um, they, they mention MJ-12. And they also purport this other document that really Paul Dean is a great researcher out of Australia. He has yes, he's torn great. this document yeah. apart, um, demonstrating, you know, all the obvious red flags that make it um, a, an apparent it's difficult to say it's not a hoax, um, let alone that it's all about MJ-12. Uh, you know, the I'm, the people who are purporting these things to be real are just not addressing these red flags and these major issues. And uh, it's unfortunate. And then you had mentioned, and I think that's what we were talking about. You had mentioned 
a potential and a New York Times article about this. And and allegedly there is a some sort of article that was in the works about um, potential crash retrievals. And uh, but you know, without credible information supporting any of that, which there isn't, uh, I highly doubt there will be an article. And if there is, it could be something that you know um, doesn't present what these people are purporting in a positive light because historically with the media and I can understand it as a media person, if you give a media person credible information, they're going to run with it. They're going to usually do a pretty good piece because you've got something shocking, credible information regarding UFOs. That's rare. Um, But if you don't meet that level and you're dealing with hearsay and you're dealing with uh, dubious information that is claiming something fantastic, they're going to make fun of it. Um, that's just how it goes. It's usually one or yeah. the other. It's rarely in the middle. Um, but they're definitely not going to stick their neck out there for something that's dubious. So, and yeah. rightfully so, really, you know. So yeah. we just well, got to give them better information. Um, you know, just just uh, right before we went live in the show, I received um, from someone that it's nothing to do the article has nothing to do with crash retrieval. Um, how they know, I said, well, how do you know? And they said it, it's something else entirely different. So, uh, but again, we'll yeah, know when know we know, that. if we know. Yeah. Huh? And yeah. you know, it's a great question. How, and it's a fair question. How would you know that? Because you might be hearing from someone who's hearing from someone. Um, mm. Although they might be hearing from someone a first-hand person, but yeah, that's, that's what I've been told. (laughs) You and I have been in contact with the alleged writers of the article and they are being very tight on information. Yes. Um, They're not. So why would they open up to someone else? Right. Yeah. Right. And let's say you're speaking to someone who was interviewed for this article. Uh, that whatever they interviewed that person about doesn't mean it's the extent of the article. However, I am more prone to believe that person actually that you spoke to because if they can't find anything substantial, you know, regarding crash retrievals and they could switch gears, pivot, as they say, to another um, front, another article. Because for instance, and that's where we'll transition to my Chris Mellon interview, um, there's a lot of really good juicy, juicy, credible, shocking news related to this new news that the Senate is now looking into UFOs and requesting reports on UAPs um, from military intelligence agencies, and uh, which is essentially what I interviewed Chris Mellon about this week, that and its relation to the season two of Unidentified that's coming up. Yeah. Well, that'll be interesting. It'll, and I, and that report is the first report's not due until March, 2021, something like that. Yeah. So, so, and this is something interesting that Brian Bender and now Chris Mellon have told me, I highly implore you to listen to the interview. Um, like I just said, you can listen to it. If you're a pod person, you can listen to the audio on Patreon. Uh, you can watch the video. Of course, if you have the intergalactic planetary level, you have access to everything. So you can watch it on on Crowdcast here or YouTube. If you're a subscriber there, I just uploaded it this morning onto YouTube. You could watch if you're a subscriber there. But 
Now, Brian Bender and Chris Mellon have both told me they feel confident that the bill is going to be passed with this verbiage left in um, the bill. And this bill is the annual intelligence. Um, essentially, it's setting up what intelligence will be doing in the future. And uh, this request, for those who don't know, like I said, is from the uh, Senate Select C Committee of on Intelligence, the SSCI, as it's known. Everything's got an acronym. Um, mm -hmm. In fact, your acronym, because people have been using this lately, it would be your initials. You'd be MW. So yeah. MW, the SSCI, has requested that these military intelligence agencies provide UAP reports. They talk about a UAP task force that is kind of coordinated uh, to do this. They're headed by the ONI, the Office of Naval Intelligence, um, even though I guess originally they, this was ATIP. This was a group that Elizondo worked for in OSD, the Office of the Special or of the Secretary of Defense. Um, but ONI has kind of taken the lead because all of the witnesses that have been briefing everybody have been um, from the Navy. So, for instance, Fravor, um, you know, uh, the other pilots, jet fighter pilots that chased the Tic Tacs and stuff, those were naval pilots. And the Navy has been aiding in bringing those people around to be interviewed. So the Navy's kind of taken point, And that's why they're called out in particular on this. I see about that. Um, so, but uh, go ahead. No, no, I was just just saying. If anyone in the chat room, I'm just reminding them that uh, they can uh, pop, pop a question in there for us while yeah. we're on different topics, if you'd like, and we'll try to answer them if we can. So, this Chris Mellon interview, I'm really proud of it too, because I haven't seen anybody else interviewing Chris Mellon. And <laughs> as far as I know, I'm the first one out with a story. So, I have a story on Den of Geek. The angle from that article on Den of Geek is how did Unidentify influence the Senate to ask for UFO disclosure, essentially. Um, and so that's the angle of that story where I took excerpts from the interview. Um, of course, the Rojas report, you can hear the, the whole interview. But in that, he essentially said, um, there's no doubt that we at To The Stars had a lot to do with the creation, this report request is the way he puts it. And I think that is uh, accurate. It'd be hard to argue otherwise. He has written in the Washington Post an op-ed. He also uh, wrote an article in The Hill where essentially he was telling the Senate they should do exactly this. Um, the other thing uh, is that we saw even on the first season of Identif Unidentified them taking witnesses, Navy uh, witnesses, to Washington, D.C. So there should be no doubt. Not only that, Chris Mellon himself worked for the SSCI. He was a staff director in the early 2000s, so he worked for the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. Um, in fact, he told me he still had friends there and he was able to contact those friends and share information with the Intelligence Committee. And that's how this all came about. So uh, he's exactly accurate. I think that uh, certainly he uh, is responsible and they're responsible for that. I mean, yeah. um, have you seen people questioning that at all or, or how do you feel about it? No, 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 I, I haven't. Um, no, it, it should be, it should be interesting. We had a, a question pop up. Did you want to address that? 
Sure. Uh, um, the, so, uh -huh. Yeah, um, I thought that was the technology. Now, the question is, do you have an opinion on the alleged Navy patents for anti-gravity oh. technology? And I think that that was more of a theory. Wasn't that more of a theory than... Yeah, those are really weird in that they are real patents. In that sense, they're real. However, the technology described in the patents is highly questionable in that there have been physicists who have said it is, like you said, very theoretical, um, yeah. not applicable. It's not like something you can use to build something right now. Um is there some sort of black project going on where they're using this sort of thing uh, was another question people had asked. And uh, the answer to that was probably not because now they're already in a status in which um, they're and they're out there. Uh, so the status would show they kind of maybe looked at it, but they're done with it and now they're out there. So um at least the people I've talked to is that it, the indication is that, you know, nothing was done with them. Um, and they are theoretical and it could be just that, that some organization was looking at it to see if they could apply it to some other project they were doing, um, that didn't work out. And so, but they are very interesting because, uh, and if people are unaware, there were some Navy patents, I forget the name of the person, Salvador or something, Salvador Pais. If somebody knows in the chat, you can let me know. I think that was his name, but you can definitely Google these. I know um, Danny Silva, I think, wrote an article uh, outlining them. So, yeah. Uh, somebody said, could they have been preemptive patents? Um, in other words, they're patenting this potential technology. So uh, even though it's theoretical, I guess that could be the case as well. Um, it's interesting the Navy would do that, but... Um, this scientist, yeah. and I think there's an interview with him out there too. I can't remember it because uh, it's been a few months now since well, I've looked into this. But um, maybe, maybe I'm totally getting this wrong too. But I mean, if someone puts a patent out like that, would, could other people be curious and try to work on something like that? They could. I mean, you know, the more brains you get together. But when you patent it, essentially that technology belongs to you. So right. if they so did no, something similar, you could sue them. I see. Yeah, um, and then there's no incentive because you can't make any yeah. money from something that's patented. But, yeah. you know, often in business, people will patent something like this and make it known because then they want to solicit contracts, essentially. They want organizations uh, to come to them and yeah. say, hey, we want to use this and we'll pay you to use it. So, right. yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah. Jeff, who asked that question, says it feeds into the urban mythology that the ONI uh, being the real possessors of the secret knowledge. Um, you know, there's been a lot of rumor in the past about the Office of Naval Intelligence being the guys with the the real secret keepers. I've always kind of argued with that in that we've never seen that in evidence at all of this sort of thing. Even now, with the ONI being uh, heading up this UAP task force, I don't think there's evidence of that yet either in that, um, you know, we know why they're being tasked with it. These witnesses are naval witnesses um you know and i'll share something else from my chris mellon interview and i think he's he's definitely followed some of my twitters and some of the tweets that have been sharing uh and thoughts is that because actually he addressed this issue before i even asked him is this plan you know did you have a plan 
And I don't want to give up too much of what went in the interview, but essentially, yes. And so it, it, he doesn't say this explicitly per se, but that they did have this plan to essentially, and it makes sense. So they had this package of information, credible UFO information that he and Lou went out to the public with. Um, and the way that he put it in my interview, it forces the Navy to take a stance. And fortunately, the stance the Navy took was very positive to say mm. those are real UAP cases and we do take them seriously. That then triggers the Senate's interest in this topic. Like, what? Why are we finding out through the New York Times that you take this seriously and you've never presented any information for, for us? Mm. And that gets into my article on Den of Geek. So uh, Chris Mellon talks about how the cases they presented in Unidentified forces the Navy to take this seriously. Once they go on the record, and eventually once we heard, uh, I think it was Roger Gassel, uh, a researcher who got this correspondence with Susan Goh from the DOD, who admitted essentially that Lou was right about ATIP continuing and that there are various agencies looking into UAPs. She tried to say, but these are just, you know, maybe drones that, that um, or these are unmanned aerial systems that may be uh, going into secured airspace when they shouldn't be. But Roger Gassel asked specifically, what about UAPs? And she said, yes, this includes UAPs. So there was this group that was looking into it. Uh, once that happens, that really triggers even further the Senate or even the public a sort of legal framework to go after this information. Because now if you're a private citizen, you can say, look, um, I'm going to FOIA this information. I'm going to sue you if you don't share with me this information. It could be debated whether they have to share it. They'd have to justify that, but that's doable. But for the Senate, no. And Chris Mellon does say the Senate was concerned that they were left in the dark. Um, they were concerned that they were not being told about this UFO stuff and uh, that they're concerned that there is were UFO investigations. And so that's the problem. That's uh, where the issue arose and why they're now requesting this information. They want to know more about what the military knows about the UFOs and, and stuff. So, which is pretty phenomenal, which is pretty incredible stuff. Wow. I want to say, first of all, hi, Ashley said first time she's ever been in um, the room here. And there's another question up there, but I did, before we move on. Oh, there's a couple uh, from, questions actually. Go ahead. Yeah, before we move on from Chris Mellon, when I spoke to him, Back in 2016, long before, you know, the he got in, involved in the, um, I, I don't remember what, if I asked him this question, but I'm going to ask if you asked mm -hmm. him, does he take any grief at all because he's looking at this topic? Oh. Or do people take him seriously in like the government if he has something to say? I didn't ask him that question, to mm -hmm. be honest. And that is yeah. a great question. I feel like I asked him that before, but maybe it was you who asked him that. Maybe you did I mean, ask yeah. him. Um, <laughs> I can't remember. So ago, I swear yeah. I remember that question being asked, or maybe hmm. I asked offline, or I just remember him being asked, but I can't remember the details yeah. of that answer, to be honest. Um, I mean, he had a, a pretty high position. I'm sure he's, 
I'm sure he's not like a laughing stock or something like that. I'm sure people take him seriously. And, you know, of course, his family name, you know, the Mellon family is a very important family, American family and, and uh, banking family and all that. So mm-hmm. um, I'm sure that he's probably not ridiculed. He's probably not. He's probably paid attention to. Yeah, I would think. Yeah, a very serious person. And um, yeah, he is. Know, yeah. when it comes to two of the stars, he's the policy expert. This is a guy who worked. You yeah. know, at the upper echelons of the leaderships and in, in intelligence, and he was even you know his job was essentially providing information on black projects to senators, uh, summarizing you know what black projects are out there. So he's familiar with with all the uh, s s. I want to say SGPs because I'm thinking of going back to the beach and paddleboarding, but um, not that I'm going to do that today. But <laughs> SGPs stuck in my head. Uh, SAPs. Um, the which was what black projects are um special ah. access programs saps is the official oh term. yes yeah yeah i see what um, you're saying yeah so so let's get into a couple of questions i want to ask this one that somebody asked uh on the question tool here uh this is from jeremy how much information do you think that the senate can actually get especially if the rumors of the existence of the black eagle trust are in any way true that trust has been rumored to fund black budget activities and was said to be originally set up using large amounts of gold and other precious material recovered from the Japanese government stashes following WW2. I am skeptical of Black Eagle Trust. Here's the problem, you know, and I think we hear this from John Alexander and Chris Mellon, and I think this is where confusion comes in. There's a difference between public and private. Um the government has to work a very specific way. It's got rules that are set up. It's got inspector generals like John Alexander and others, the Senate, who are overseeing everything they do because they're getting money yep. from the government. Anything outside of that is a private company. Private companies could be doing anything. And That's even right. I think Chris yep. Mellon uh, and others have said, if you really want to keep yep. something secret, you take it out of the black. Private it's sector. no longer black budget. It's not a black project. It's a proprietary project of a private corporation. Then you have no Mm -hmm. access to it. So I think that's kind of the problem with a lot of theories that people come up with. Could it be funding from here? And you know how to, if you're going to keep it secret, it's much simpler than a lot of these complicated schemes. Some people have come up with, you just make it private. The corporation Mm -hmm. takes it over. Yep. And there's a lot of people who say Lockheed has some of these projects. Who knows? I don't know. And Lockheed Martin Skunk Works, they're the guys who built uh, Area 51, do a lot of the work out at Area 51. They made the stealth bombers, the the U-2, all of that sort of stuff. So, And there's a former executive from Skunk Works uh, on the the To The Stars team. So, I mean. Steve uh, Justice or who, who is that? Yeah. Steve Justice. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what about that statement that was, yeah. What was that statement made many years ago? And I forget who it was that said, we have the technology to take ET home. Do you remember that? Allegedly Ben Rich said that. Ben Rich. And, yes. Um, yeah. This was something that uh, Jan Harzan and a friend of his recall hearing Ben Rich oh, say. That's right. Now, if yeah. you go out there, John Alexander, Again, I reference him, but there are others. I think Paul Dean has an article on this. Ben Rich said statements similar to that quite often, um, but he also qualified those statements as well, meaning that 
it's not maybe as fantastical as we we believe it to be. Um, you know, uh, he he could be meaning there are some great technologies that are far beyond. But a lot of people make the argument he said that maybe like 20, 30 years ago. And by yep. now we're aware of those technologies. And, you know, some of those technologies are probably, especially for that period of time, pretty shocking. Do you want to read this uh, question? That sure. I can't see who it is. Jeff Perry. Oh, I'll read. Okay. I can read it if you'd like. Um, do you think that it's possible involvement of UAPs with our nuclear sites will subsequently be more drawn into the public spotlight? Subsequently, will that force more U.S. U.S. Air Force or AFOSI public involvement? Okay. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I got an answer for that one. All right. Um, that brings me into kind of the second part of my article that I wrote today for Den of Geek, which was asking Chris Mellon about Unidentified Part 2 and also sharing how that fits into his strategy. And essentially what he says is that, you know, part two is going to show us a lot more military cases and these credible military cases. Oh, by the way, I saw, oh yeah, we've got to talk about that. So we both watched episode one of yeah. uh, Unidentified, which is actually airing tomorrow, but we got an early sneak peek. So we'll talk about how that yeah. fits in, but he's talking about how these military cases that we're presenting on Unidentified are on the record cases. These so this demonstrates and it demonstrated to the Senate that there should be some interesting material in these reports. These cases that they're covering at the very least should be in these reports that they're giving to the Senate Intelligence Committee. And if they're not, oh. then Chris Mellon is there to say, "Hey, wait a minute." They didn't let you know about this, 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 and this. You need to go back to them and say, where's this material? So that's the function that unidentified and, and the revelations of this sort of thing should serve. A Fossey. First of all, like I said, A Fossey is a, it's a, it's a law enforcement agency. They're not counterintelligence. They're not... They're investigating anything that has to do with law enforcement. Perhaps it would be incursions that they would be involved with. Um, that may be. Um, so, or they even have sightings of their own. But will it force the U.S. Air Force? It could. I think that's the whole point, is that this should be forcing a lot of these agencies to be sharing a lot of this material, including material we're already aware of. Um, so that's what's going to be terribly, terribly interesting. How is Chris say that they're going to uh, enforce this? And he really talked about this in the TSA Talks uh, podcast, uh, the last one. Well, they, the Senate has the power of the purse, he says. They're the ones who are giving them funding. And yeah. so they can hold back funding. And wow. like in our interview, our my Rojas Reports interview with John Alexander, he told us funding is everything. When these guys are deciding what information to share or not, their number one concern is going to be uh, how to preserve our current funding or um, kind of give the impression that we uh, have information that uh, would make it so you want to give us money to do more research on these things because we're the guys who hold the keys. So 
funding is what it's all about. It's all about yeah. the Benjamins. <laughs> it's all about getting yeah. that money. So yeah. yeah, so those are kind of the mechanisms in the way that some of this will get into the public. Right, right. Great question. Oh. But episode one, season two, yeah. Unidentified, what'd you think? Um, I got to tell you, uh, I watched um, the whole season last year. And this by far is my favorite episode. By far. Really? It's mm -hmm. really, really good. And um, I spoke with uh, Anthony LePay the other day and basically told him the same thing. It's just, it was just incredible. And he, he told me what happened. You know, basically during the summer, he got about a thousand um, emails from people that had in the, a lot of them in the military who had witnessed things. And so he weeded that down to like 50 and then weeded it down again to like 12. And uh, this, this is uh, reflecting in, um, in the first episode, just the first part of it, you know, just the first part yeah. of it. Boy, was that Here's what really I good? I loved it too. I really loved yeah. it now. Um, and so far I've heard just positive reviews out of the people who have seen it. Have you heard anything negative? Yeah. Not negative at all. I've, I've talked yeah. to two people. I yeah. could see people kind of be disappointed in that these are just military cases. Although I don't know why anybody should be disappointed in something like that. But what's unique about these U UFO cases is you've never heard of them before. That's right. They're For first time told. Yeah. yeah. Brand new cases. First time yeah. told. So it's so refreshing to see, um, you know, brand new cases instead of the same old cases, you know, gone over and over again on all the other shows. Not only that, I think production wise, the show is yes. really tight. It's like it better is. than the past. It's kind of like in the last uh -huh. season, it was almost like it was kind of using different tools from different reality shows. But yeah. this one feels solid. Like they've got their yes, own way of telling a story and it's yep. credible. It's exciting. Yep. It's professional, but it's cutting edge. It's yeah. I absolutely love it. And then the yeah. camaraderie with uh, with, you know, Lou and, and uh, Elizondo and um, Chris Mellon, you know, these military or at least defense guys talking with these military guys in, in yeah. language and working together because it's not like let's just hear from this witness. It's kind of like yeah. let's bring in this witness who's one of our brothers, who's one of our, you know, fellow military and uh, yeah. let's hear what he has to say and then talk with him and work out what the heck could this have been? So they even rely on the expertise of the witnesses because these are yeah. witnesses with expertise. I mean, they're B-52 yeah. pilots or, or otherwise. And, and another, and one from Afghanistan that had quite a sighting too. Um, one, one of the things I also liked about it and the production you're right is really, really good. It's also that um, last year Lou seemed like Lou Elizondo seemed like a real big part of it. And a lot mm. of, it was a lot, he was involved in and in talking all throughout the show this he sort of steps back a lot and lets other people you know the witnesses um talk so i really thought it was it was very very balanced and, and really really good in that respect yeah i've talked to lou and that's one thing he liked about it because he doesn't like attention he doesn't like being a focal point and he yeah. likes that this is made you know, this is more of a team effort type of thing where it's not just following him it's more like, yeah. you know, these witnesses coming over and all these people working together on something. Yeah. It's great. And so uh, I'm really excited for yeah. this season. We don't want to give too much away, of course, but, um, you know, one uh, part of it's in Vietnam. 
which uh, there was a lot going on in Vietnam, according to a lot of people. You well, know, you know, of, also, Chris Mellon uh, told me that there's a great NORAD case where they were tracking an object that's going to be in season two. And this is in my Den of Geek article from today, actually. So um, he gave that as an example of one of these cases that better be in these reports that indicates, you know, these reports mm. should be including some some good information, some new information that should be uh, enlightening and compelling to the Senate when they get these these UAP reports. So, yeah, a lot of important wow. stuff going on. So I think yeah. we ought to start to wrap up. So if there are any yeah. more questions that you all have in the chat, please get those questions in. But uh, I think, you know, what an exciting time it is. And talking with Chris Mellon, and then I did have some conversations with Lou Elizondo, you know, recently, um, that really... You know, I'll reiterate this as well. When Chris and Lou put together this package of information of compelling cases that they had looked at and knew about, to run with that with the public once they got out, um, a lot of people were thinking, well, why aren't they looking for new information? And I think this answers that question because essentially this package is like their football. You know, they're running with what they got. Um, getting buy-in from the witnesses, getting buy-in from the Navy because these were Navy cases, um, and then running with that to the Senate and running down the field. And now they've scored this, this touchdown, you know? Um, so, but they've talked about how there's other stuff out there. Stage one, or maybe stage two or stage three or whatever stage of this plan they're in, but a major goal of this plan was to get the Senate to pay attention and do what Chris Mellon asked him to do a year ago in his in his Hill article to to request more information. Now they're doing that. So the next stages will have to do with a lot more new information coming to light. So what I'm saying is, I think we can be very hopeful, and I don't think that we're going to be disappointed if we expect there to be a lot of new great information coming forward, not just in the, the second season of Unidentified, but when, like you said, that report's due in March 2021, uh, when that those reports start to come out, a lot of information there. And I think a lot more information is going to be shaken loose as the, the whole credibility of this topic continues to be, um, and continues to rise. Yeah. You know, I, I agree. It'll be self-perpetuating. I'm sure the more people feel comfortable with it and see that it's okay to, and that it's, uh, there's an interest in it, the more people will open up, mm -hmm. um, you know, from the military, whatever, maybe there's yeah. some people that have never stepped forward before. Yeah. Too. And if the New York times is writing an article or does post an article, that's probably going to be good too. I mean, especially if, the authors of that article, uh, the authors of the December 2017 article, Leslie and uh, Kane and Ralph Blumenthal and Helene Cooper, if they have anything to do with it, I'm sure it's going to be really good if there is to be an article like that. Regardless, I know other journalists who are working on other articles that are going to be great. So, um, yeah, we've got a lot of that's what's so exciting. We have a lot of really credible information coming forward. Um, so the dubious stuff, we just don't have to waste 
I feel we don't have to waste our time on, especially I don't have, I have a limited right. amount of time. You too. Um, so there's much other more important things to really be focusing on right now yeah. and not lose our focus because we've really got to be diligent. And I'll say this too. I've got a lot of articles I'm working on that I'm going to start getting out here soon that pinpoint on different aspects of what has been going on in the last couple of years that I think is very important. And, uh, I don't yeah. know, I guess, uh, I'll just say there's a lot of great stuff going on. So I think um, there's a lot to be positive about um, That's right. and a lot to analyze and to think about and make sure that we're, we're cognizant of as we go forward and you'll get right. that here. That's right. On, on the open mind GFO radio and the Rojas report and podcast UFO. So what do you got coming up on yeah. podcast UFO? Um, I am. Let's see. Next week, I have Nigel Watson uh, okay. next Tuesday from, from the, the UK. UK. Yeah. Um, interested. So I said to him, hey, you know, it's going to be like two in the morning, uh, your time when I go live. Are you all right with that? And he says, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm up all night anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I he's like a that. journalist yeah. over there and I, I like his work. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think he's an interesting fella. So that ought to be good. I, I've yeah. been interested in trying to get an interview with him for a while, too, but it, um yeah. I haven't done that yet. So great job on that. That should be interesting. Oh, yes. And if I can just take the second here, um, last week on my show, I had Don Schmidt and Tom Carey on. And all of a sudden, Don Schmidt just like froze on his screen and gone. And there were all kinds of conspiracies, you know, like he got abducted by aliens or whatever. So he never came back. And uh, I was emailing him. Tom was calling him. And his phone number was not working. Um, we had no idea until... Now that was Tuesday and this is Friday. And I just found out this morning that uh, because uh, Don did write me the next day, but it went into my spam box. Just one thing after another. Don's okay. Lightning hit a transformer and blew his power out, which blew his phone out, everything out. And, uh, but the next day everything was repaired and he's back. He's, he's back on the grid. I love Don. So, he's a good friend. Yeah. And Don is a great speaker, extremely articulate. He's very articulate. When he tells lectures, he's so serious. When you yeah. or when you in interviews, he's extremely serious. Yeah, and maybe a dry joke there, here or there. Yeah, but he's such a total goofball. When you just hang out with him, like outside of, I mean, he's yeah. really goofy. It's funny. He likes hiding. Well, you know, he he actually one thing I have to give him a lot of credit for, and he'll always be welcome on my show. Is we went and talked directly about the Roswell slide fiasco. Ah. And he said, I want to apologize to your listeners out there for my involvement in it. And oh, I really? thought that was really, really good of him for saying that. So he's always welcome on my show. That was one, another one where, you know what, Martin, we're, how do, how is it that we're right so often? <laughs> I saw, I mean, I don't know about that one, but as soon as I saw it, it's like, oh my God, you know, that no. this Roswell slide, for those of you who haven't seen it, you should Google it. Um, it's a mummy in a museum. And instantly it was like, I, and I, I, would I can't believe it went as far as it did. I would recommend that you go search uh, Roswell slides on the openminds.tv site, because I was yeah. really covering the investigation of it. And like you said, it seemed terrible from the get go, but uh, there was some great work out there that really revealed what was really going on. Instantly. It was a mummified native American, um, young man from from way back so yeah check that out uh if you want 
or if you just don't want to deal with old hoaxes, then ignore it. And I would not blame you at all because there's much more important stuff to look at. So right. go check out my Den of Geek articles. If you check out uh, uh, my Twitter, uh, all 100, or just go Open Mind Stuff, Open Minds TV Twitter, Open Minds TV Facebook. Uh, I'll start to update the website this week. Uh, there's been some stuff, as I told you, I had to get the website running again. There's still some stuff going on where it may experience some very short downtime as I am converting some things over. But regardless, I don't want to wait updating. So I'll start updating that this, uh, well, hopefully this week, maybe today, but definitely next week, you'll see a lot more articles and everything coming out there. So you'll be able to find everything. Jeff Perry says, thanks for the great talk. Thank you, Jeff Perry, for the great questions. You helped make this a great talk. Uh, thanks, yeah, thanks everyone Ashley, that came in. Kurt, Karen, uh, Michelle, all the people I'm missing. Thank you all so much for joining live. And then thank you to all the listeners who listen to the podcast. Even if you're really cheap and you like don't want to give me a dime and you're listening to this podcast free on your podcast service, even you, thank you for listening. I do. Yeah, we love you anyway. Appreciate. Yes. Yeah, we love you anyway. Any way you want to listen to us and be uh, involved is, is wonderful. So, um, thank you all very, very much. And until next time, are you going to try this with me again? Until oh, next no. time, adios, smooth, Good job. That was a little better this time. <laughs> <laughs>